Prime Salad contains content that might make some listeners uncomfortable. The episode you're about to listen to involves violence against a child, which some listeners may find distressing. Listener discretion advised. Hey, Crime Sad listeners, welcome back to another episode of Crime Salad, where we talk true crime. My name is Ashley. And I'm Ricky. And before we jump in, Ricky, can you mention our patrons this week? We have Nikki, TG, and Jane. Thank you so much. Thank you all so much for supporting our show. We really, really appreciate it. Enjoy the ad-free listens. All right, let's get on with the show. Hi, listeners. Before we begin today's tragic episode, we want to talk to you for a moment about ethical true crime storytelling. Here at Crime Salad, we don't see true crime as entertainment, and you may have probably noticed that we will never tell our stories in a salacious manner. We look to true crime for its educational purposes and its teachable moments. We hope you have noticed that we carefully choose our stories for their wider importance and larger messaging. Sometimes a case has led to new laws and the passage of important crime preventative legislation. Other stories highlight the injustices and deficiencies in our criminal justice system. And others, we hope, may spark an innate sense of recognition. We are big believers in the see something, say something movement. Perhaps one of you will recognize traits in today's story that may save someone else's life. This case highlights the duplicity of a sociopath and the mission of a woman to save other children from the same fate suffered by her innocent son. On December 23, 2014, Lincoln Vaughn Henry Lewis came into the world almost four months early. From the moment he arrived, his mother prayed for his survival and recovery. She watched him and held him every moment she was allowed, quietly encouraging him to fight and live. She held him close and whispered in his ears that he was loved by so many and he was needed here on earth to do great things. Roxanne made the difficult decision to go back to work immediately so she could save up her maternity leave for when Lincoln finally came home from the NICU. She never doubted his strength and will to survive. She worked all day, then rushed home to spend some time with her two children, hiring a babysitter so she could spend the last remaining hours of each day with Lincoln. For the next three months, during his many ups and downs, treatments, therapies, and surgeries, eventually Lincoln not only survived, but he thrived. He became the happiest baby, and as he grew each day, he became bigger and stronger until he turned into the happiest toddler. The one thing everyone agreed on was Lincoln was always smiling and just wanted to be in the presence of those he loved. And he was loved by many people, including his mom, his siblings, and his extended family. While Roxanne and Lincoln's father were no longer together, they were all very much involved in Lincoln's life from the moment they knew he was going to arrive. Lincoln's paternal family members also got to know Roxanne's new boyfriend as well. 
They admired Dr. Bert Franklin and were impressed with the paternal way in which he appeared to care for Lincoln. Roxanne was also impressed by Bert and was overwhelmed with the love and support her new boyfriend showered upon her and her children. But there were many obstacles, too, in this path of this new couple, which we will get into a little later in this episode. Roxanne crossed paths with Dr. Bert Franklin, being that she was a patient of his. He is a local dentist and also provides Botox injections to his patients as well as to the general public. Roxanne went in for a Botox injection and walked away with a man who would irreparably change her life in ways she never could have imagined. Now, from the start, Dr. Franklin made his romantic intentions towards Roxanne immediately known. As soon as he found out she was a single mother, he aggressively pursued her with single-minded purpose. At first, he appeared kind, charming, engaging, and witty. Despite his repeated overtures, Roxanne wasn't looking for a relationship at the time. She was the single mother of three children, one a preemie, and she was also the sole breadwinner in support for her little family of four. But Bert wasn't taking no for an answer. He pursued Roxanne hard using a technique called love bombing. Have you ever been love bombed? Love bombing is a tactic in which a person uses excessive and disproportionate grand gestures of affection with the goal of manipulation and establishing control over the object of their desire. It can be as simple as bringing someone flowers every single day or as extreme as professing love and or the desire for marriage soon after the relationship begins. Love bombing has also been recognized as one of the warning signs of domestic and narcissistic abuse. So be leery of the love bombers, y'all. As soon as they met, Bert told Roxanne that he was going through a contentious divorce with his wife with whom he had four children. He told Roxanne that the divorce was messy and for legal reasons, he couldn't officially abandon their marital home. So for the time being, they were sharing the same house for financial reasons only and because it was in the best interest of their children at the time. Once Bert was legally divorced, he had every intention of pursuing the life he dreamed of and promised to give Roxanne and her children. And Roxanne believed that he and his wife were no longer a couple in any traditional sense. She had no reason to doubt his intentions because his actions appeared to match his words. Almost instantly, Dr. Franklin began spending all of his free time with Roxanne and her children, even spending the night several times a week and on most weekends, something that would seem almost impossible for someone who was still married and also has four kids. Dr. Franklin also showered Roxanne with extravagant gifts, and we're not talking just little small gifts like flowers or chocolate. He bought her a brand new expensive SUV, gave her money to purchase a new home, paid for plastic surgery, and most importantly, demanded a surveillance system in the house, both inside and outside. Now, maybe you're thinking he was concerned for her safety, but if your true crime brain red flag alarm is going off, you're feeling it right. This was all because of his controlling nature. He wanted to know who visited Roxanne when he wasn't around. At no time could Roxanne have imagined that she was a secret, as she told Dr. Phil in an exclusive interview. Roxanne also believed that Bert's wife was aware of her existence. 
In Roxanne's interview on The Dr. Phil Show, she explained that because Lincoln was always with her, she introduced him to Bert almost immediately. However, she waited another six months before she introduced her two older children to Dr. Franklin. And when they finally met him, they liked him immediately, and he went out of his way to make sure he played with them, engaged with them, and behaved as if he was going to be a permanent part of their lives. And at this part of the story, I'm just thinking, this guy has four kids that he never really seems to go visit or bring with him or even mention, really. And there were red flags almost immediately that Roxanne had to train herself to ignore. She chalked them up to grand romantic gestures, the kind that you could only experience in fairy tales. Instead of seeing his behavior as controlling or troubling, she saw it as attentive and committed. Instead of seeing him as jealous, she saw him as vulnerable. One of Bert's biggest red flags were his reactions to Lincoln's father. Lincoln's father was a very busy medical resident at the time of Lincoln's birth, and he and Roxanne had already parted ways before he was born. It wasn't that he didn't want to be involved in Lincoln's life. It was more that he just didn't have a lot of extra time. But his family certainly made time for Lincoln, which included his mother and Lincoln's aunt and uncle. On the last weekend of Lincoln's life, he had spent the weekend with his aunt and uncle. And when they returned him back to Roxanne, he was his usual happy and smiley self. But Bert wasn't in the best mood that night. A few days earlier, he saw that Lincoln's father had visited Roxanne on their interior surveillance cameras, which he could monitor on his phone. This led to explosive arguments between the two. To complicate matters, Lincoln's father had been texting Roxanne more than usual. In an interview with Dr. Phil, she stated that Lincoln's dad had been texting her all hours of the night, three or four nights a week. This upset Bert, who felt very threatened by Lincoln's father, whom we will refer to by the name Mel. Roxanne assured Bert that Mel wouldn't be calling as much anymore, but what she didn't know was that Bert had been texting Mel too. He told Mel, if you keep calling or texting, I'm going to Game of Thrones your ass. He also threatened to cut off Mel's penis if he came around Roxanne's home again. Unfortunately, Roxanne didn't take Bert's threats seriously and thought the whole thing would eventually blow over. That conversation occurred on July 17, 2016, and Roxanne didn't know at the time, but that exchange was going to change things irreparably. She had no idea that while Bert was pretending to be over it, he was actually silently seething and filled with rage. In fact, a few days earlier, he had asked Roxanne if she would be willing to start a family of their own. Bert wanted another child with Roxanne, not because he loved children, but because he wanted an anchor between them. She told him their relationship wasn't settled or stable, and they could revisit this issue in a few years later when his divorce is finalized and they were finally married. This rejection enraged Bert. In fact, he told a friend of Roxanne's that looking at baby Lincoln was like looking at a photo of Mel. Lincoln was a daily reminder of Roxanne's split focus and tie to a man he felt threatened by. In the preceding weeks, Bert began to exhibit frustration and resentment at all the time Roxanne devoted to Lincoln. Roxanne never could have imagined that Bert growing resentment would result in a fatal outcome.
That same night after the talk about having a baby together and it not going so well in Bert's eyes, Roxanne got Lincoln ready for bed, put him in his jammies, and made him a bottle. But Roxanne had been working on a DIY project earlier in the day and was hoping to finish it. Bert, as usual, offered to take care of Lincoln while he watched TV in the lower level of Roxanne's home. While upstairs working on the project, Roxanne heard a large thud sound. She was worried her new puppy Dax, a golden doodle, had broken something. She called down to Bert, who didn't answer her at first. She called down again, and when she got to the bottom of the stairs, she asked Bert again about that noise. He told her that he had thrown a ball for the puppy and it had hit the wall by accident. She noticed that Lincoln's pacifier was on the ground and picked it up, walked over to the kitchen sink and washed it. She returned back to the living area, intending to give it to Lincoln to help him fall asleep, and Bert made a hand gesture to stay back and whispered not to give it to him because he was already sleeping. Roxanne looked again, and it appeared Lincoln's eyes were open, and he was glassily staring at the TV. She whispered back that his eyes were open, but Bert assured her he was on the cusp of sleep, and if he saw her, he would fully wake up. So she left the pacifier on the end of the couch in case it was needed and went back upstairs to finish her project. Lincoln's room was upstairs, but Bert didn't want to carry him all the way up to his room. Instead, he placed him on Roxanne's bed where Lincoln sometimes slept and told her not to wake him up. But Roxanne was concerned that Lincoln had fallen asleep so quickly. It had only been about three or four minutes since Bert carried him downstairs, and she was surprised that the loud noise she heard earlier didn't wake him up. She came downstairs again to check on Lincoln and discovered that Bert had already placed him on Roxanne's bed. Despite Bert's warning to stay away from Lincoln, Roxanne's motherly instinct kicked in. For some reason, she was worried that her young toddler, who had previously survived the deadly respiratory virus, might be coming down with something. She wanted to check his forehead to see if he felt warm. So it wasn't unusual for Lincoln to co-sleep in bed with Roxanne, but it was unusual for Bert to want Lincoln in bed with them. When she checked on Lincoln, it appeared he was heavily sleeping, so she placed pillows all around him to make sure he didn't roll off the bed. She knew she'd be joining him soon enough and could check on him throughout the night. Later, Roxanne would believe the reason Bert didn't place Lincoln in his crib was because his crib was upstairs and he wanted to put as much distance between Roxanne and Lincoln as possible, as he encouraged her to continue working on her DIY project. Bert appeared concerned about Roxanne because she hadn't been sleeping well. He encouraged her to take a sleeping pill, assuming she would sleep through the night, but she didn't. She woke up a few hours later to hear Lincoln loudly snoring. This confirmed her instinct that Lincoln was getting a cold or possibly something worse. She walked upstairs to get his medicine and made him a bottle. But when she returned, she noticed that Lincoln's eyes were open in a fixed stare, and he wasn't snoring. He was actually gurgling as he attempted to breathe. Roxanne instantly went into mom mode and woke Bert up, demanding him to call 911. He didn't react as she expected, though, and instead, he just stared at her. He was sure she was overreacting. And later, that stare would haunt her. And as Bert failed to call 911, Roxanne realized it would be faster if they drove Lincoln to the ER themselves, since she lived in a new housing development and was concerned an ambulance wouldn't be able to find her. As Bert drove her to the hospital, she held Lincoln's lifeless body in her arms, attempting CPR and willing her baby to breathe and come back to her. 
She asked Bert repeatedly if Lincoln had fallen that night while she was upstairs. She asked again about that loud thud sound, and again he assured her that it was a ball he threw for the dog hitting the wall. Once they arrived at the ER, Roxanne wasn't certain what to tell them. She knew that Lincoln had been with his aunt and uncle earlier in the day and had been swimming. And recently, she watched a video on dry drowning, where children take in too much water while swimming, and hours later, their lungs fill up with water, essentially drowning them outside of the water. She was also worried that Lincoln had ingested something at their home, like a cleaning fluid or another poison. She had so many worst-case scenarios going through her mind trying to make sense of what happened to Lincoln to cause him to become limp and unresponsive so quickly. Just a few hours earlier, Lincoln was her normal and smiling baby. The truth came quickly, and wow, is it infuriating. The hospital took an x-ray of Lincoln's skull and immediately diagnosed him with two skull fractures. He had a displaced right paratial bone, which is roughly the top portion of the skull, and a displaced left occipital bone, which is located on the back of the skull, as well as a subdural brain bleed. Lincoln was admitted in critical condition and immediately life-flighted to another medical facility in Tulsa, Oklahoma, which specialized in children's health issues. There, the doctors quickly confirmed that his injuries were the result of child abuse and called both DHS and law enforcement. Lincoln had other injuries too, including bruising on his buttocks and forearm and wrist. There was soft tissue hemorrhaging in both arms. His fatal injury was the result of blunt force trauma that fractured his skull in two all the way to his spinal column. Roxanne was shocked to discover the extent of her son's injuries. She was replaying the events of the evening back in her mind. She was having flashbacks of Bert's stunned look when she asked him to call 911. She was replaying the conversation that they had in the car on the drive over to Tulsa Children's Hospital. She began to shut down, but a voice in the back of her mind was quietly putting the pieces together for her. She knew the only person responsible for Lincoln's injuries was the man she trusted the most and let her into her heart, her home, and bed. The man she completely trusted. She allowed him to be alone with her own children. A decision that she would regret for a lifetime. A decision that resulted in a fatal outcome. As soon as she entered into Lincoln's room at Tulsa Children's Hospital, she knew her life would never be the same. This wasn't like the time that she sat at his bedside in the NICU with a heart and head filled with hope and dreams for her baby's future. This time, she knew there was no hope and no encouraging words from the medical staff. The doctors at Tulsa Children's Hospital told her Lincoln's skull was fractured from his eyebrow to his spinal cord. There was two points of injury that splintered his skull, which is consistent with two separate blunt force injuries. The attending physician told Roxanne the severity of Lincoln's head injuries were consistent with a baby not strapped into a car seat and going through a 60 mile per hour head-on collision and then being ejected and landing on his skull. 
It was that moment when Roxanne knew for certain that Bert had to have been responsible for Lincoln's injuries. Now, on the way to the hospital, she asked him if Lincoln had fallen, and he responded with an epithetic no, and then offered that that thud noise that she heard earlier was him throwing a ball at the wall for the puppy. In Roxanne's interview with Dr. Phil, he pointed out that in that moment, Bert had answered a question that wasn't asked of him, which why it stuck in the back of Roxanne's mind as a red flag. As the severity of the situation dawned on her, she wanted to get as far away from Bert as possible. She asked him to step outside so she could have a few minutes alone with Lincoln. Then she asked the nurse to change the visiting list to prevent Bert from coming back inside Lincoln's room. About four hours later, with Lincoln still on life support, Bert began frantically calling and texting Roxanne. He asked for updates on Lincoln, wanting to know if Lincoln was going to be okay. He offered to come up to the hospital in Tulsa and bring her anything, including lunch. Eventually, the tone of his unanswered text changed. He asked why she was ignoring him and demanded they speak. A few hours later, he told her, I love Lincoln like he was my own. Please tell me how he's doing. 24 hours later, Roxanne finally responded, and she texted him back stating, Why and how could you do this? I loved you more than I've ever loved another man, and you took my baby from me. I lost my best friend and my baby all on the same day. Bert responded by saying, I don't know why you have turned your back against me. You know I would never harm you or the kids. I loved you more than anything in the world. I loved Lincoln like my own. I can't imagine anything you're going through right now. It hurts. I can't be there with you. I lost my home and my kids, and yet here I am worrying and hurting for you. What makes you think I would do this? Roxanne didn't respond. She finally knew the truth and saw through Dr. Franklin's attempts at manipulation. The doctors told Roxanne that Lincoln had a 10% chance of survival, and if he did survive, he would be severely disabled, unable to communicate or even smile again. Lincoln was taken off life support the next day and passed away immediately. By Wednesday, Bert Franklin was arrested for the first-degree murder of Lincoln Lewis. He was held without bond. His life was unraveling by his own actions. It was only after his arrest that Roxanne discovered he had never filed for a divorce, and his family had no idea about his duplicitous secret life. All of his promises were lies, and all of the talk about his plans for the future were just meaningless words from a master manipulator. It was also discovered that Dr. Franklin was deep in financial debt. It turns out living for two lives can be quite expensive. His dental license was immediately suspended after it was discovered that he had fraudulently embezzled $80,000 from one of his patients. Immediately following his arrest, there were dozens of allegations against him for inappropriate misconduct. And the most egregious discovery was that just seven months earlier, one of Bert Franklin's children had gone to her school and had written a letter asking for help. Her father had violently physically abused her. The school, which is a mandatory reporter, investigated the matter in-house. Bert Franklin was on the board of trustees and his own mother worked at the school. As a result, Bert was never prosecuted for the abuse. 
Had it been, it would be highly likely that baby Lincoln Lewis would be here today. Almost immediately, Roxanne was interviewed by law enforcement. They told her very clearly that there could be only two people responsible for Lincoln's injuries, and this was going to be a case of he said, she said. But Roxanne wasn't concerned because she knew the surveillance cameras at her home would exonerate her. Both Roxanne and Bert had access to her cameras on the phone, but when she checked that footage, it, you might have guessed it, was suddenly missing. While Roxanne was at the hospital with her dying son, someone had used the control panel in her home to erase the portion of that evening that covered when Bert was downstairs alone with Lincoln. That loud thud sound had been erased. Now it was back to Roxanne's word against Dr. Franklin's word. But the police had an idea. They contacted the company that Roxanne used for her surveillance system and asked if there was a way they could get a backup somewhere of deleted footage. Because the request was made so quickly, police were able to obtain the four minutes of deleted video in a matter of hours. The recovered video showed Bert walking downstairs, holding Lincoln, who appeared to be wide awake, sitting up in his arms. Then Bert heads back over to the couch with Lincoln. You can also see Bert's upper body bracing itself as if he is kicking something. Police believe that something was Lincoln's head. Now, Bert picks Lincoln back up and begins walking around with him. Lincoln's body appears to be lifeless and his feet are dangling. It's in stark contrast from the little boy he carried down a minute earlier, wide awake and smiling. At this point in the video, Bert carries Lincoln's lifeless body with his dangling feet and arms and walks back over to the table and takes a piece of pizza from a box. In the video, you can see Bert take Lincoln back over to the living room area and throw Lincoln's lifeless body onto the ground. It's the noise from that second assault that brings Roxanne downstairs. You can see her pick up Lincoln's pacifier from the ground, wash it, and walk it over the living room area with it in her hand. And that's when Bert tells her not to give it to Lincoln because he is asleep. Now, you can see Roxanne go back upstairs, and Bert walks back over to the table again, grabs another slice of pizza, as if he just didn't fatally injure Lincoln Lewis, and he exhibits an unconscionable, cold, and callous disregard for Lincoln's life. According to the videotape, it took between three to four minutes for Lincoln to go from a wide-awake, happy toddler to a brain-dead baby. In the final moments of the video, you can see Lincoln's legs go from lax to straight and stiff and then completely dangling. Medical experts believe that Lincoln was suffering a seizure from the lack of oxygen to this fatally injured brain. They were involuntary movements. Roxanne speculated that Bert thought he had more time to create an alternative explanation for Lincoln's condition. She theorized that he wasn't counting on Roxanne getting up in the night and rushing Lincoln to the hospital. She theorized that he may have thought Lincoln would pass away in the night and by morning he would be cold. Since Lincoln was a preemie with documented health problems, Bert may have believed Lincoln's death would be chalked up to a SIDS event, which stands for Sudden Infant Death Syndrome. And maybe he believed that Lincoln's death would never be investigated. There would be no reason for an autopsy on a tragic SIDS death, and he would continue his relationship with Roxanne with no more ties to Lincoln's father, and no reason for the two to continue communicating. 
After Lincoln's death, Roxanne wasn't able to function. She walked through life feeling like a zombie, unable to make any decisions for Lincoln. She felt like she was functioning in slow motion. One of the few things that she remembers from the time was choosing Lincoln's burial clothing. She was worried he would be cold in the ground and chose a long-sleeved shirt, sweater, and long pants. Only later would she regret burying him. She wanted Lincoln cremated so he could stay with her every moment of the day. She joined groups for grieving parents and immediately began regretting decisions she had made in the depths of despair. She didn't get a lock of Lincoln's hair or remembered to take a cast of his hand or foot. She couldn't function and began channeling her energy into getting justice for Lincoln. She began a blog where she gave insightful tips on how to recognize red flags in a relationship. She thoughtfully listed out warning signs that included love bombing, monitoring or micromanaging your time, isolating you from friends and family, gaslight, and lying. Unfortunately, Burt wasn't done committing crimes. Somehow, he had convinced his wife that he was innocent and his family was sticking by his side. They were convinced that Burt would be found innocent. So, Bert asked his wife to deposit $300 into a commissionary account of a member of the Latin King's gang for spiritual counseling. And she immediately followed his instructions. The only problem was the gang member wasn't hired for his spiritual advice. He was actually hired to kill Roxanne Randall and prevent her from testifying against Dr. Franklin. And the gang member got the entire conversation on tape with a cell phone given to him by the prosecutor's office. Now, in addition to his charge for first-degree murder, Burt was also charged with conspiracy to commit murder of a witness. Roxanne was forced to attend a preliminary hearing where a gang member testified that the man she loved and thought she was building a future with wanted her dead. In a Facebook post on the Justice for Lincoln page, Roxanne stated, Today I sat in a courtroom and listened to a man who is a former gang member give step-by-step -step directions to my front door. Although this gentleman has around 15 felony convictions and facial tattoos, he has a moral compass. Instead of killing me like he was paid to do, he helped the DA's office with the sting. When asked why he chose to help the state, he flat out said, Where I come from, we don't like people who hurt babies or women. What a remarkable human. After reviewing all of the evidence, a jury convicted Burt Franklin of the first-degree murder of Lincoln Lewis and conspiracy to commit murder of Roxanne Lewis Randall. And he was sentenced to two life sentences. Shavon Franklin, Burt's long-suffering wife, thinks that the jury got it wrong. In an interview she gave to News 4, she stated, quote, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, Bert didn't do that. Bert didn't hurt him. He was at the wrong place at the wrong time. I would fall in love with him all over again each time we would have a baby. He was almost more excited than I was. Every time I found out I was pregnant, he was just ecstatic. Everything just kind of came out and came unraveled. I don't even remember much now about that time. The affair, he made a mistake. I'm not going to ever deny that. It hurt. But that's between him and myself and God, and that's my choice. This fight isn't vain. God's always been with me and my family. People have mocked that, but that's okay. Ultimately, we know where our faith lies and our hope and our trust lies. 
I still hope that we have a family again. I don't think that there's anything wrong with having hope, end quote. Roxanne has hopes too. She hopes her story will save the life of another child like Lincoln. She hopes that someone will read her blog, watch one of her videos on her YouTube channel, or listen to this episode and recognize the warning signs she regrettably missed. The signs, she said, we have been conditioned to believe from childhood are signs of romantic love. She wants women to know that they are in fact warning signs of narcissistic abuse and sociopathy. Roxanne doesn't want Lincoln's callous murder to be in vain. She wants to use it to educate women to understand that these signs are really stop signs. If Roxanne hadn't had surveillance cameras inside her home, this story could have had a very different ending. Roxanne could be the one in prison for a crime she didn't even commit. Or worse, Bert could have gotten away with his crimes. Instead, he is in prison where he belongs for the violent and senseless murder of Lincoln Von Henry Lewis, a boy who only lived to smile. Thank you all so much for listening to this week's episode. We will see you next week. Crime Salad is a Weird Salad production. Are you kidding me? That was perfect. In the 1970s, John Todd burst onto the evangelical scene with a shocking tale. He claimed to be a former witch, involved in a then unheard of secret organization called the Illuminati, and urged Christians to prepare for a violent world takeover. First of all, the number one weapon in everybody's home should be a 12-gauge pump shotgun. Hear the amazing story of one of the originators of the modern-day conspiracy theory. From Magnificent Noise and Sony Music Entertainment, this is Cover Up, The Conspiracy Tapes.